Hi, and welcome to the Virtual Classroom Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Ring, and I'm so glad you're here. In the Virtual Classroom, I invite virtual teachers from across the country to sit down and talk to all of us about what it's like to be a virtual teacher. It is my hope that through our conversations, we can educate, collaborate, and of course, connect to build a tribe of virtual teachers. Thanks again so much for being here. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Super, super excited that you're here and even more excited about the guest this week. It is Stacey Dillon from All About That Class. If you're not following her, why not? Because she's incredible. And she is a big supporter of virtual education and building our community. And she loves her students and that is so apparent. She is unique and comes up with great ideas that translated from her traditional class to her virtual one, and even finding new ideas in this world. And I'm so pumped that she was on this show and even more excited to share this conversation with you today. So without further ado, here's Stacy Dillon from Alabama Virtual Academy Elementary. So my name is Stacy Dillon and I am a fifth grade teacher at Alabama Virtual Academy. I have been in the virtual world uh, with K-12 since um, early September, um, but I did VIP Kid and uh, um, others before I came to K-12. Um, I have three kids ranging in age from six to 17, a dog, and I share my office with my daughter's pet snake that my kids love when I pull him out for them. So um, that's always a nice little reward to use at the end of class does your it's a snake right i hear that correctly yes it is <laughs> it, a corn snake <laughs> a corn snake and does the snake yes. have a name his name is very original it is corny <laughs> i absolutely love that i am currently um in my son's room and i share it with our pet turtle mikey um with the original two, Michelangelo, and I love him. <laughs> yes. um, I don't get him out because I'm afraid he'll bite me. But <laughs> <laughs> but you did yes. mention that you um, worked for VIP Kids, and I yes. know, and I really feel that teachers are not aware of how, like traditional teachers are not aware of how they could probably trans- transition themselves very well into a virtual realm. Would you say that VIP Kids helped you with that? It did. Um, I went, you know, it helped me get used to building relationships online um, because that was one of the things that I was most hesitant about. And ironically, now it's one of my favorite things. Um, But it did. It allowed me to learn how to um, build those relationships when I'm not in front of the kids um, in the traditional way. And also, you know, forced me to be creative and think outside the box with how I teach because I can't pass out a piece of paper to my students and um, I can't actually do a hands-on activity right there with them in the traditional sense. So it forced me to start to learn how to be creative and being in the K-12 world has allowed me to continue that and be even more creative than I was able to be with uh, VIP kids. But it was, it did make the transition a little easier. And, you know, I hear that a lot. I hear that that's one of the first questions that I'm always asked is you know do you miss the hugs you miss the high fives you know do you how do you even have relationships with 
your virtual kids. <laughs> and, and then they always ask me, where are your kids? And like, they're at home. <laughs> so, um, so how, how would you say, cause I know that's something you're really passionate about is building relationship with your families in a virtual environment. So how, what's your secret sauce with that? How do you do that? Well, for me, first with the families, um, like I said, I was one of the biggest questions I had when I took this job was how am I going to have relationships with these families when I don't have conferences with them? They're not coming to parties in my classroom, but I actually feel like I'm closer to my families in the virtual world um, because a lot of them I talk to, um, you know, I talk to all of them every month. Some of them I talk to multiple times a week, some of them every week. Um, and so I feel like I talk to them actually a lot more than I talk to my parents sometimes in a brick and mortar setting. Um, because I have time set aside to do that every day to call and actually talk to these families. But for me, the biggest relationship with the learning coaches is um, just making them feel heard um, and letting them know that your door is always open, um, getting back to them quickly. That's the biggest thing. Um, Cause that can be the biggest frustration if you don't get back to them quickly um, and just showing them that they are my priority that them and their students are my priority. So I get back to them quickly. Um, I call them often. As soon as I see something pop up that I think needs to be addressed, it's a phone call so that nothing's a surprise. Um, and then as far as the students, it's just um, learning what they like. Um, I don't know a lot about current video games. Now, if we're going to go back to like Nintendo 64, Super Nintendo, I am all about that. Um, I don't know anything or I didn't know anything about Roblox and Minecraft. Um, I do now. Um, but just, you know, t doing that where I can converse with them on their level and um, relate to them with their interests has been huge. We do fun things in class like um, pulling out pom-poms and just celebrating um, their accomplishments in class that makes them feel, um, you know, very um, confident and makes them want to speak up in class. And then um, I send out mail every Friday. I just randomly pick um, three to five students. I send them mail um, just to let them know what they did awesome that week. And then we still do um, prizes like I did in the classroom. So my kids get dojo dollars in class for participating, for good teamwork, for staying on task, um, for being a good friend. They get dojo dollars for that. And for every 50 dojo dollars, they get a prize in the mail for me. So it's just little things like that where um, they're still getting a lot of the same experiences that I had with my kids in brick and mortar. It just looks a little different. Um, but you know, I'm still able to build those relationships with them and try to get them excited about coming to class. So you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of great things there. And the one that caught me the most though was Class Dojo, because that was something that I used in my traditional classroom. And I tried to use it my first year here, but my class sizes were, I did a lot of like whole groups um, my first mm -hmm. year here. So there was a lot of kids and I don't want to yeah. scare anyone because we don't do that anymore <laughs> in the Oklahoma <laughs> realm. We don't. Um, but now my groups are a lot smaller and I thought maybe I could do that. So could you like to anyone that's listening to this, especially mm -hmm. our elementary teachers, how do you do that? How do you give points? Um, do you like have a different monitor and you just put class dojo up there? Like yes. what's that look like in your classroom? And then what yes. prizes do they earn? So uh, yes, I have class dojo pulled up on my second monitor. Um, when we're in class, they can hear the ding 
um, when it goes off, I have um, speak a speaker hooked up where they can hear the ding. They get excited when it goes off um, and they know that somebody just earned a dojo dollar. Um, it's also been, uh, you know, people ask me about behavior management in the classroom. I rarely have anything come up in my class because they're looking for that ding. Uh, they want to earn that. So um, they get they get dojo dollars, dojo points in class. And I don't always let them know when they've hit 50 because they get so excited. I, and this happened by accident because I forgot to tell a student um, that they hit 50 and I just mailed them their prize and they called me on Monday and they were so excited that they got surprised with mail. So now I've kind of quit telling them and I just surprised them because it's so fun to see their reactions when they weren't expecting it. Um, and then for the prizes, like Dollar Tree for me is where it's at. Like I can find some of the coolest things like sometimes it's little notepads or I even found like medals and stuff at Dollar Tree. So I'm not spending a lot of money on it. Um, so I go there and get all kinds of fun prizes. I'll be honest, when I first started doing this, I was like, my fifth graders are probably going to think this is so cheesy, but they love it. I mean, I think I sent out little kazoos last time, which they're um, parents may not have liked as much as they did, um, but they were so excited about it. Um, so I think one of the biggest things for me with the fifth graders and prizes and dojo um, and things like that is just realizing they do still get excited about all those things that sometimes they may try to act like they're too big for, but they do still really enjoy all of that. And um, I wonder if that's then, just, yeah. sorry, more of like the thought about it. Like yes. my son, my, my son and I talk about him a lot and I'm sorry, but he's five and, and he gets like a, a new toy every week on Tuesdays <laughs> when he goes to cowboy church with my, my with his papa and I'm like quit buying him a new toy he doesn't need any more toys <laughs> but it's really just the fact that he's doing that with his papa his papa mm -hmm. wants to do that and so yes. it's not necessarily about the toy it's, so I wonder if it's yes the toy and yes I earned this but also my teacher cares and is yeah. still going out of her way to do that so and I'm sorry I interrupt you was there something else you um to that um no I, I can't remember what it was it's fine I can't remember what I was going to say but I don't think it was that important so it's fine I think I was just elaborating on that I had a quick question for you because yeah. I yeah. Uh, um I really agree with you when you were talking about um feeling closer to your students and knowing them better and knowing your families better and, mm -hmm. and knowing what their needs are and stuff I never felt that way um and, and it's almost to the point where like sometimes I get frustrated with I have five kids so I almost will find myself getting frustrated that they don't communicate with me as much. And, <laughs> and I have to like, remember that, like, like you just said, like they don't necessarily have that time built into. So my question was, is do you kind of have a strategy for attacking a list? Do you keep track like in an Excel chart? I know that we obviously put notes, um, you know, in, in the system um, mm -hmm. that we can go back and refer to. But do you have like a system that works for you to kind of stay organized? So like you can kind of keep track of who you're calling and when and what's going on in their lives and where the students are with, um, you know, their learning and, and where, what their goals are. Yes. So we have a, our school has a spreadsheet that is posted, um, I think twice a week um, with updates on who received a phone call when, but that also shows when the advisor makes them a call. So I don't use that as my end all be all because it might show, oh yes, this student was contacted two weeks ago, but it wasn't by me. So that doesn't mean I talked to them two weeks ago necessarily. So I, I have that so that I can easily see if somebody's getting, you know, 
farther down the road. Um, but I also have, um, I am a pen and paper girl for a lot of things. I do have a lot of stuff on the computer, but I have a notebook where I use FERPA friendly names, um, usually just their initials because um, I only have like two or three with the same initials. And I'm able to, I put on there what time I called, what day I called, anything significant that um, I might need to remember. Um, and I'm able to easily flip back through that. And I can also flip back through and see um, how many phone calls I made, how many times I've attempted to call somebody, etc. cetera. Um, but then on Fridays, um, I don't have live classes on Fridays. So then on Fridays, I do transfer that to an Excel sheet. But it's easier for me because to keep it on paper at first because I can write it um, as I'm calling um, and I can make notes as I'm talking to them. And then I transfer it to Excel on Friday. And that helps me keep a running tracker of when I specifically talk to them, not necessarily their advisor. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned, anything important that um, I may need to know. And sometimes that's not um, necessarily academic. Sometimes it's things that are going on in their lives that their learning coach has told me about, like a, a relative that's passed away or something like that, that I think I need to be mindful of. Um, and then um, I also have a, a dry erase calendar where I keep up with their birthdays, with their initials and make sure to give them a phone call. Um, and I also send them an email on their birthdays. Um, so that's just a few different ways that I keep up with all of that. And that's a lot of ways. <laughs> so I was going to say my one way is, I mean, I've, I guess technically I have two. I have the way of our school that sends out, like I, I think it's like monthly or two, every other mm -hmm. week or something like that. And then I have my own where I put in the date and it automatically figures yes. out like six weeks from now <laughs> like yes. when I need to call again. So, yes. um, but I love all your ideas of birthdays. That's something I, I struggle with um, is and then they tell me in class, my birthday is this, and, and tell me like 20 times. I'm like, I know, <laughs> you've already told me. Um, but maybe if I actually did something about it, maybe that's really what they're they're trying to do is say, do some, you know, tell me. <laughs> I, I should probably do better about that. Yes, but, they they get excited when they when they're in class on their birthday. We do a little birthday shout out and have pom poms, and it's a lot of fun. And how so. how long are your classes? Um, they vary. I have some classes that are 45 minutes, some that are 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah. And then um, science and history we do for an hour. Wow. You do. Oh yeah. You're, you're fifth grade. I forgot. Yes. I was like, you do those too? We don't. <laughs> yes. Grade, we do not. Um, Jennifer, I saw your mic come off. Were you going to ask something? <laughs> and I oh yeah. No, I, I mean, I was just um, thinking about some of those, those cool kind of kudos or fun ways and you mentioned that you do emails on Fridays I do I call it my 15 minute Friday and I just find kids that I want to send a kudos to and so that's been really awesome but I wondered if you have anything that you do kind of on a regular basis in class like for instance I do like the student of the week mm -hmm. uh, where they volunteer to do a slide with pictures and they get to share about their family and then um, I also well, uh, like whatever assignment they did the week before, if I had like, you know, some really stellar examples, I'll kind of um, email those students and say, hey, you did amazing on this. You want to share in class. And then I give them the chance to kind of be the star student of, and it actually has made them like all be better about what they give mm -hmm. in, their, in terms of their homework. So I just wondered if you use any strategies like that to kind of drive your live session. Um, I don't do a whole lot of it in live session. Um, on 
Thursdays, they usually do group work um, at some point, either um, but either the whole class is kind of a group work project. Um, like right before winter break, they made a lemonade stand business. Um, and then I'll flip through and kind of look at them and I'll let, pick a few of them to share. Um, at the end of class, we'll take the last 15 minutes or so and let them um, share. Um, other than the dojo going off in class, that's usually um, the main thing that I do in class. Um, but um, on Fridays when I send their newsletters out, I have we have a... a um, a celebration corner at the end of the newsletter there um, that hit their dojo dollar goals. I don't put their names on there. I used to just put their first names. I don't do that anymore, like I said, because they like the surprise. So I'll usually put um, our class as a whole has earned this many dojo points this week, and I have three people getting prizes in the mail because um, they hit 50 more dojo points. Um, and then uh, my students also have reading logs that they're able to fill out for prizes. So that goes in our celebration corner too. Um, and I do put their um, first names on there for that so that their whole class can see who's hit their reading logs. Um, and that's just where they uh, have their learning coach sign that they've read for 20 minutes a day. And once it's full, they get a prize from me for that as well. Um, and then, you know, the um, then, like I said, I send out the ma the snail mail on Friday to three to five of them. And I, um, this week have named that fan mail Friday, um, made them feel like they're little celebrities in my class, uh, when they get their fan letters. I love that. I'm stealing that, um, fan mail. <laughs> I love that. Cause who doesn't want to be, who doesn't want to have fans really is what, I think about that. It's like, I feel like a rock star in my class, my kids, I know they love me. And and why am I not doing that back to them? So I love that. I'm going to definitely seal that idea. And I was going to ask you about your reading log. I uh -huh. um, taught third grade for so long that I have this mm -hmm. dang RSA fe like fear, fear um, to those who might be listening, wondering what the heck is RSA. It's a reading sufficiency equal that keeps students from promoting <laughs> on to the third grade if they are not proficient in reading. And you might be thinking that makes sense, but it's also a struggle <laughs> and a lot of pressure <laughs> on me. Um, so reading logs was something I always wanted to do, but I didn't know. So it might be something. So what's your reading log look like? It's really what I'm curious about. <laughs> Well, so they're actually um, just like pictures. It's like, so like one of them is like bookshelves and it has um, books on it. And I have them write on the um, spine of the book what they read and then their learning coach initials beside it. Um, because I do ask them that when they read, that they read something that is on their, whatever their level is. Um, you know, I don't want, you know, if somebody can read Harry Potter, I don't want them reading Curious George. Um <laughs> for their reading log every single night. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, so on, they, they write what they're reading on the spine of the book. Um, and like I said, I just asked them to read for 20 minutes outside of, you know, what they're reading for class. And so it, it may be that their whole book log is Harry Potter. Um, but they, they write what they're reading, their learning coach initials it. And then, um, I just have the learning coach take a picture of it and send it to me once it's full and they can fill up as many reading logs as they want to throughout the year. And they get a prize every time they fill one up. So, um, and, and it's is the, the same, same kind of, kind of prizes, mm -hmm. the prizes, like the same kind of prizes for 
You're done. Yes. Okay. Same kind of prizes. And I usually put a little letter in there telling them how proud I am and they're doing awesome. Um, and sometimes I'll, um, on the note, like I'll comment, like I saw that you read this book. That is one of my favorites. Uh, let me know what you thought about it. And they love that. They'll send me an email and be like, yeah, I really like this book. Um, I think I want to read this now. Um, read this one next. Um, cause I just had one that just finished Percy Jackson. And so I told her, I was like, yeah, I love that one. And she immediately, as soon as, um, Oh no, I think I lost you. <laughs> can you guys hear me? I can hear you. I th think we might've lost her. <laughs> I think so. I'm going to pause the recording. But you know what? I can, I can unpause it. <laughs> That's okay. I'll wait. <laughs> And okay, Jennifer should um, should be back here. Okay. Um. Well, I know this is your your first year here. So, yes. um, what I know, and I know you did VIP kids, and was that so? What initially drew you to decide to apply? Hey, I'm going to apply at a K twelve school. What's that story? Well, so I have loved having flexibility. I was, um, you know, doing VIP kid kind of, um, doing some social media stuff for a while and just kind of doing my own thing. So I loved having, um, the flexibility of when my, at least when my kids come home from the bus stop, like I'm here, even though I'm working, I'm here. Um, and I had a friend that worked for a K-12 school and I was like, well, you know, that might work. Um, and so I applied and I'll be honest, I had no idea how much I was going to love this job. Um, I was like, you know, that'll be good. I'll be home when my kids get home from the bus. Um, I can be here when they get on the bus in the morning instead of having to like drop them off at early care on my way to um, some other job because I live in Birmingham and nothing is less than a 45 minute drive most of the time because um, our roads are fantastic. So, um, I honestly was like, well, I just would like to be at home and um, had no idea how much I would fall in love with this job and my students and their families. Um, so it ended up being way more perfect than I ever imagined. Um, everything is great. Coworkers, students, the parents, the format. I love everything and super happy that I randomly um, decided to apply after I saw a friend of mine working here. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I think for most of us, that's one of the reasons why we apply at, OB, or I say OBCA, um, at a K-12 school is because we want that flexibility. Um, and so my, my next question for you is this, if there's someone listening to this podcast right now and your episode, and they think you sound really cool, you know, what, what advice would you give to them in, in kind of following your footsteps? Um, you know, I think the best advice is to go for it. Um, I'll be, I applied and didn't know if I'd hear anything back and I still wasn't sure if this was for me. Um, and it's perfect. So I think the biggest advice is if this is something that you're interested in, um, you know, do some research, talk to some other teachers. Um, I talked to my friend that worked at K-12 before I actually applied, um, picked her brain, and that helped me a lot in making my decision to apply. And even during the interview process, like, 
um, ask questions. Uh, if you go through the interview process, don't be afraid to ask the principal or whoever's interviewing you questions because that really gave me a full picture of what I'd be doing and um, helped make it an easy decision for me when they did offer me a job um, because, you know, just researching and talking to other teachers. So I think that's the biggest thing. And um, I don't, you know, most of the teachers that work for K-12, I think we'd all be willing to talk to anybody that reached out to us about what we do and, and how it works. Um, because I am passionate about this job. I do love it so much. Um, I could talk to somebody for hours about it. Uh, so that would be my biggest thing is just um, talk to some other teachers and see if it's something that you think would fit for you if that's what you're interested in. Absolutely. And I know there's another question I haven't asked anyone yet about, but it's starting to get on my mind because state testing is coming up. Mm -hmm. um, and they, that's another question I get asked a lot is what about, well, first of all, they're surprised we do state testing. I don't think yes. they understand that we are still a public school. Like we are, yes. we are a public school that receives public money. So therefore we have to do public tests. Um, so what, so what does that look like for you guys in your elementary world? Yes. So we have testing sites all over the state um, so that the students are able to go to a testing site that's close to their home uh, so that people that are um, down close to the beach don't have to drive all the way up to Huntsville, um, vice versa. So we have multiple testing sites. Um, the teachers are assigned different testing sites to be proctors and administrators for, uh, and they do try to keep us at testing sites that are close to our homes as well. Um, so that sometimes those testing sites are hotels or um, things like that, that we travel to. Um, and the students take their tests in there just like they would at school. And we, um, the teachers are proctors and administrators for those tests, just like in a brick and mortar school. And um, it is a two day test. So, um, you know, the students, um, if they're close enough, can go home or if they want to stay um, at a hotel, they can. But they, um, yeah, they take it wherever our testing site is that's nearby them with us proctoring and administering the test, just like they would in a brick and mortar classroom. It's just a hotel or something, usually in one of their conference rooms or something. Yeah, that's been this kind of leads into where I'm going next, but that was one of the biggest things that I was just not aware of whenever I, I started at, at my school OVCA was testing. Um, it wasn't something I thought about during the interview process, um, but the, just how different that, I mean, it's still the same, like the test is still the same and administering yes. it is still the same, but yes. we, I mean, everyone knows what the state of Oklahoma looks like. So the furthest, location we have out is not even an, in the panhandle. We don't have one mm -hmm. in the panhandle, but it's pretty close to the panhandle. Mm -hmm. um, and so the kids who do, we don't have very many, but we do have a few that live in the panhandle. And I'm going to say that 20 more times probably. Um, but so they travel, they, they travel to that location. It's the closest location that we can offer. Mm -hmm. um, and they spend the night, they spend the night in the hotel and it's like a whole weekend. Um, thing for them and and they love it they swim in the pool and the kids love it they think it's so cool that they're staying in a hotel and it's like a vacation yes. <laughs> like you're in woodward oklahoma this is not a vacation <laughs> go north to colorado and <laughs> but not the vacation um so thinking about that thinking about the the differences and the similarities we talked a lot about how you're making this similar to their traditional school with mm -hmm. the class dojo and the letters and birthdays and all that fun stuff but how is it different 
for you? Um, well, I think one of the different things is um, my kids um, are usually like, I feel like because they're able to just get up and get a snack or get up and stretch or um, they can stretch out on the couch while they're doing class or they can um, do class while they are on vacation with their family. I do feel like they um, seem to be less stressed. They seem to be um, more engaged and they're not seeing me for eight hours straight a day. So that makes it more exciting when they get to come um, to those class connect sessions every day. So that is fun to see how excited they are to come. Um, you know, even in map testing today, I had one that grabbed me and was like, I'm just so excited. I got to see you today. Cause I usually don't get to see you on Fridays. Um, so, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, do we miss the hugs? I don't get physical hugs, but it's just as, um, you still get that same feeling when they do those cute little things like that. Um, but then, like I said, I feel like I have more time to focus on them and their families because in brick and mortar, it's like you never have enough time ever. Um, and so with the K-12 format, I do feel like I have enough time to focus on my students and really um, spend time going each over each one of their academics, their progress, um, you know, it's easier for me to know what's going on in their lives because I am talking to their um, parents on the phone every day uh, or not, you know, not each parent, not the same parent every day, but you know, I'm talking to parents every day. Um, so like I said earlier, I feel closer to them and I feel like I'm able to give them the time that they deserve. Whereas in brick and mortar settings, it always felt rushed. Um, so I love that. I love that. I really um, feel like they are getting the time from me that they deserve. Yeah, and that's something that we could probably revisit because you mentioned it earlier, but I chased my curiosity and another question was <laughs> higher on my priority list. But yes, I totally agree with that statement. I remember in a traditional school, I, I worked in a very low income school and mm -hmm. parent support was a struggle. And I will say that that OVCA is the same like economics, like we still have like 99% free and reduced lunch. Like it's still the same economic kind of situation that my traditional school was, but I have far more parent involvement and I'm able to talk to them on it. I remember there was a year that I didn't talk to a single, like a, I didn't talk to one parent the entire year and it wasn't a lack of trying. It was just, I couldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't respond to me or, you know, for whatever reason, but here it's like, we chase them down. We, <laughs> we <laughs> hunt them down from our living rooms or our desk, you know, wherever we're at in our home, yes. but we hunt them down until we, and we have thousands of notes. That was another thing that I was not used to was making notes. And, um, yes, but yes, I do feel that that is a big difference in our world is that we do talk to our not, and I know Jen, Jennifer had failed to mention, and I'll remind our listeners that Jennifer teaches middle school and high school. So she talks a lot to her kids and mm -hmm. um, probably more so than the parents just because they are responsible. But for us in the elementary world, if a kid's not being successful, it's most likely because their parent isn't doing what they need to do to help their student be successful. So, yes. Um, so yeah, well, I totally and I'd actually agree with that. say it, it's very much the same actually in middle school. And I think that's kind of a misnomer. I actually get that question a lot. Like, do the elementary parents, um, you know, is does the success of the student matter um, 
more on the learning coach or less or the same as elementary. And I would tell you, because I also am in the FAST pro, um, program and I'm an advisor for freshmen. And one of the things that I will tell you almost without question is that if a learning coach is involved and willing to grow and be trained and learn and hold their child accountable, even into the high school years, that student is going to hands down do way better than the parents that are kind of like, well, are you doing okay? All right, well, let me know if you need anything. And then they don't check. And, um, and truly, everybody needs accountability. I mean, we need accountability as teachers. And so I definitely think that building those relationships strong with learning coaches, regardless throughout the whole, um, you know, wherever, whatever grade you are. But I did want to ask a question um, because I, I'm, I, I live in Wyoming and of course we have testing sites everywhere too and we have a ginormous state where like I live in a small town and my kids are all in sports and so you know to go watch my kid do sports I'm driving two plus hours away at like hands down people are like you drive five hours to watch <laughs> basketball well yeah but <laughs> that's kind of the, the <laughs> well applaud to you because I wouldn't <laughs> so sorry <laughs> not sorry so, but I just don't have that kind of funding <laughs> so um so parents sometimes do have to drive but in Wyoming it's like not a big deal everybody has to do that um, but what I was going to say is I, I also serve on, um, a board, um, at the state level. And I find that, that as a virtual school, I feel like we have to work twice as hard, um, to prove what we're doing and, um, and we're actually paid less than the other district employees, which I am not a huge fan of, but, um, it is what it is. But I also just kind of feel that, that there's kind of that misnomer, like, um, you know, that we don't, you know, we're not doing what we're supposed to, so we have to work twice as hard. And, and I just, it's weird. I, um, Kimber, Kimberly and I have talked about this before, how like sometimes we're, we feel like we have to like justify what we do. Or like when we say we're a virtual teacher, we feel like we have to follow it up with like, it's real teaching. Yes. <laughs> you ever feel that way, Stacey? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, but I do think that um, when people, when I tell them what I do, um, most people have been super there. Most people have been more like, wow, that's so cool. I didn't even know that was an option. And um, so I do love that most people have been so open-minded and really accepting of this as um, being a, an equal um, school format because it is. Um, and so I haven't really encountered anybody that after I told them how it works, um, still thought that way. But I think a lot of sweet times when I first say it, they're like, Oh, um, but once I explain it, most of the time they've been like, yeah, that's so cool. But yes, I do feel like I have to explain it. <laughs> um, like I don't just um, sit in my office all day and do nothing. I'm actually teaching and lesson planning and reviewing data and using that data to write future lesson plans and talking to parents. Um, and I actually like, I, you know, kind of segueing a little bit though, but talking about having more time in this setting, I do feel like I actually have more time to analyze data and use that to um, to write future lesson plans and teach what uh, my students are ready to learn because I do actually have time to analyze that data and use it Yeah, um, because I'm I, not rushed for time. I feel like I'm bragging when I say I, I don't teach live sessions on Wednesdays. Like I really <laughs> feel like I'm bragging and I'm sure that 
when you say, if you, if and when you ever do say that to a fel- another teacher that you just have yes. Friday to plan, like, yes. you're going to be like, uh, you're a jerk. Like, <laughs> no, they're always like, something. you don't have to teach on Friday. I'm yeah, like, yeah, no, I don't. I still but work. I do work a lot. <laughs> I do work, but I don't. Um, yeah. So I love that. Um, I do. I totally agree. I feel like we have definitely, it's still not enough time. Still not, I, I never feel like there's enough time in the day, but I do feel like I have more time to focus on the priorities than I did yes. in a traditional setting when I had to take a kid to, um, you know, to the library or walk them to PE, you know, whatever that took away from mm-hmm. class time. And, and in the setting, we don't have that. We have our, our class and from start to finish, and then we move on to our classes are all 30 minutes in my, mm-hmm. in my elementary world. So, and I don't teach history or science because that's not a testing, that's not a mm-hmm. testing subject in fourth grade, but yeah, it's, it's definitely go, go, go um, from start to finish. You bring up a good point, Kimberly, about, um, cause I have had that question like, well, and that's actually one of the things that they tell us why we're getting paid less is because we don't have things like a study and, um, you know, recess duty and lunch duty. And that's the, that's the thing that I always want to say is like, it's not like we're t- taking that 20 minutes for ourselves to go, you know, get a coffee. <laughs> or And then also know, correct them and tell them that that's actually additional pay or should be in their yeah, right? Like, so it's not their baseline pay doesn't include recess. Exactly. Or I mean, like based uh, lunch, it should anyway, it shouldn't, at least not in Oklahoma it does. So that's where I would correct them. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And I, I mean, I'm spending that time calling kids. And like, if I have a support session and I, you know, I've ha- I've helped two kids and they leave, it's not like I just sit there for another, you know, 20 minutes until my help session's over. I call kids that I know need to do work and say, hey, I'm in class right now. Do you want to pop in and I'll help you with this assignment? So like, you know, there, there is those opportunities, like you were just saying, um, to, to focus in on one kid or one particular family when you didn't have those opportunities. But it is interesting, um, those differences, because I definitely, you know, going from the brick and mortar world to this world, it is absolutely, I mean, teaching is, uh, it, it, you know, God bless us all. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And um, and you really have to love kids in order to have the passion to to stick with it. Don't you think um, is that kind of something you've seen, Stacy, as you've got into this new world? Oh, for sure. Um, and you know the the kids are what get me excited about you know actually getting up to work in the morning. Um, I do. I I miss them over winter break as much as I enjoyed my winter break. I did miss them, um, and I was so excited to see them on um, Monday. Um, so. Yeah, for sure. And the relationships that we form with them, um, you know, that's one of the biggest drivers. One of the biggest things that I do love about this job is the students and the relationships I've formed with them and their families. Um, And that comes from, yes, having a passion for kids and having a passion for seeing them do well. Um, That's my favorite thing. When they figure something out and that light bulb comes on and they get so excited about coming to tell me, like, I live for those moments. I love it. Um, so yes, for sure. Um, if that doesn't get you excited, then this probably isn't the right field for you. That should get you excited if you're teaching. So I couldn't agree more. Um, well, Stacy, coming, like we're coming to the end of our time and, uh, just knowing, knowing that you're passionate about so many things. Uh, I love following you on, on, on Instagram and 
is there something that you want to share that or talk about that we just haven't asked about? Um, I think um, probably the only other thing that I would mention is, um, you know, if you are teaching in a virtual world is don't be afraid to get creative and try new things with your kids. Um, things like, um, I know one of you mentioned having student leaders um, teach slides and stuff. Um, trying things that you um, would do maybe in a brick and mortar classroom, trying to figure out how to make them work for the virtual world because most of the time you can. Um, I saw somebody posted on Instagram one day like doing area with their students by using squares with cheese it crackers. Well, I can't physically give my kids a piece of paper with squares with cheese it crackers, but I can put squares on the board the same work on the board and give them orange little pictures, movable pieces of Jesus to do the same activity. Um, so to me, that's been one of the things that has really um, changed how my classrooms go is just um, not being afraid to try things and not being af afraid of those things failing. Like I tried one thing with my kids that was just a total bust and I came on and I was like, look guys, this didn't work and that's okay. We will try something else tomorrow. And that's fine too. They actually like to hear you say that, you know, we're not perfect um, as their teachers. So um, I guess that would be my other biggest piece of advice is just don't be afraid to try things because you might find things you weren't expecting um, work really well in the virtual world. And, you know, it's okay if they don't. So do you mind or do you have an example of something that like, like what? So with, so I'm curious about that particular situation like yes. how did you handle that how did you make it better like what was it I need to know <laughs> yes okay so we were um trying um a video it was an assignment where they were um making a commercial we were talking about persuasive writing and we just had all kinds of tech issues like I envisioned how well this was going to go and it was going to be so much fun and then we just had all kinds of tech tech issues and you know, it wasn't working for like half the class. And so I was like, okay, guys, this didn't work. Let's regroup. And it's just sometimes you have to fly by the seat of your pants. And I was like, okay, so we're just going to write our commercials and breakout rooms with your teams. And then we are just going to present them on camera at the end of class. They still had a fun time. It didn't go exactly like I thought it was going to go. Um, but they still loved it. So it's and they didn't care that we wasted, you know, 10 minutes trying to get it get it figured out. Um, so the next day when we continued that assignment, we shouldn't bother with it. We went right into the breakout rooms to do it how we um, ended up doing it the day before. So, um, but you know, then um, other things like giving um, them a little more control as far as like letting them teach slides sometimes like um, growth mindset slides and stuff like that um, can be kind of nerve wracking at first, but um, when you really see how well they excel at it, it's a lot of fun. So. Um, that, that is my example of how something did not go well, but it turned out okay, so. I hate tech issues. I hate them on the fashion. I was telling my team, like, yesterday, or I forget who I told. It was either my team or my husband, because I vent to both of them. So I, um, <laughs> I told whoever I told it to, I said, I just wish that it was easy for me and for my kids, like I, it just seems like it's either going to be an like a whole lot of upfront work for me, so it's easy for my kids, or it's going to be um, a less hard, like less upfront work for me, but hard for my kids. Like it's right. It's, 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 it's there's no in between. It seems so. I remember during testing, like you're like you told us that you're doing map sessions, um, and 
I remember we used something different before MAP and it was awful. The first day of testing, I was like, this is not like I was spending half of the time with tests and, and, or getting them logged in. It was just, uh, I just hate it. So <laughs> I couldn't just walk over to their desk to like fix it. Yeah. had to share their screen with me. I mean, that's another thing that, but I'm thankful that this year, the first week of school, I just incorporated that as something that they learn, not mm-hmm. just learn how to talk, uh, not just learn how to, the tools. Like that was just, I'm just like, they're learning how to share their screen. So they did. And, and that made it a lot easier this year when they, those types of things did arise, but it's still like, I hate that. I just want these things to work. So, um, so yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that's all the questions I really have. Jennifer, do you have anything else? Um, no, I, I totally agree with, but I actually was just dealing with a family yesterday. Um, it's one of our really good students in element or in middle school and, um, her computer, she got locked out of it somehow. Um, and she was literally in tears because she thought she was going to get kicked out. <laughs> I was like, that's not a, really a thing. But, um, and so, you know, what I found is it was just important to just speak to that student. And I just really empathized with her. I told her about a time when I had a virus on my computer and I had to send it in. And so I was without it for two days and it was freaking me out. And I just, I, so I think in some ways, because we have that same issue sometimes with families, we can really use that to relate to the students and help kind of calm them through those things. It's kind of part of the, you know, nature of the beast. And um, just like, you know, public and, you know, the brick and mortar schools, they have kind of their, uh, you know, nuances that are awesome and not so awesome, like fire drills and such. Um, We're going to have tech issues. And so, um, and so I think that's really just kind of the reality of it. And it's, if you just can kind of put it in that frame of mind, then, um, you know, I think just remembering that whatever we can do to help those kids, like get over those bumps um, in order to not, not make them, uh, kind of get stuck with that as a barrier to learning. Um, yes. I think that's so, so vital. But honestly, I don't have an issue with it. I, I think I, um, I think it's just good to relate to the students as much as possible, like Stacy was saying, through all these different ways. And like, I also want to say, like, if, if you're, you know, a new year, a new teacher, and you're in for the first year, like, don't feel like you have to do all these things. Like, <laughs> the first year like I know I feel like you're coming in hot a little bit Stacy but I still admire and love that you are <laughs> yeah right so yeah just like pick pick something I mean whatever it is like, you just master it and love it and be uh, you know com- uh, passionate about it and compassionate with your students and that's gonna go so far absolutely well yeah, I, lo- I love I love you, Stacy. I love all these things that you're doing. I'm impressed that you're a first year teacher and you're not. It doesn't sound like you're drowning, and but that's also <laughs> like really exciting too to hear that. Um, I, and I mentioned this before, and I'll mention again. I feel like we're doing a better job training our our newbies because this is kind of like entering a new country, not just a different <laughs> town. Um, but it seems it sounds like teachers are adjusting better and that's that's amazing so um so i guess what one last chance if there is there anything else that you'd like to share with us before we end our time together i think that's it just communicate 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 has been the biggest thing for me in the virtual world so 
Well, I love that. And you've given me a lot of inspiration on, um, like I might give class dojo another go. So, um, and definitely feeling that fan, that fan mail Friday. Um, I love that. And, um, yeah. And then the reading logs, I, I love that too. So, um, thanks again for hanging out with us today, Stacey. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I had fun. I absolutely love having Stacy on the show. She is an incredible person, an incredible teacher. And when I found out that she was nominated for Teacher of the Year, I had no doubt. Why? Like, never a question why she should be voted every year. She is innovating. She's inspiring. She's everything that we hope to come across when we want inspiration on Pinterest and, and on Instagram. She's She's just that kind of person. But what I love most about Stacy is that she loves though she loves all the teachers back. She's not one of those people that just doesn't follow people uh, just because of the sake of numbers. She genuinely wants to be inspired by others, and she shares that back. And we need more of that in this world. I need more of that. And so, Stacy, thank you for hopping on the show. Thank you for being that bright light in a scary time. And thank you for just loving teachers in general and wanting the best for all of us. And then thank you for what you do for your kids. They are benefiting because of your love and from your innovation. And I, I have no doubt that you're making huge gains, but also changing these kids' lives. So again, thank you so much for sharing your secret sauce with us. And we hope to hear from you in season two. So if you're not following her, better get to it head on over to instagram at all about that class with periods in between each word or you can just look go to the description of this podcast and you'll find her handles there and everything else that she's involved in so thanks again for listening have a great day look forward to seeing you on monday for a new series of mini monday pds and have a great weekend remember be brave take a risk and above all have fun bye guys